In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this Gospel reading, I think, is a very good summary of the spiritual journey that all of us are going through through life. The spiritual life is definitely a journey. It has a beginning and an end. We, we, come, we go from one place and we are on our way to another and then we land in that place and we've reached our, uh, our goal. The question is, where are we coming from and where are we going? Where are we going to land? And I think this Gospel reading actually answers both of those questions and it kind of tells us what's happening in between as well. Let's look at the beginning of the Gospel. John the Baptist sees Jesus walking and he says to his own disciples, Behold the Lamb of God. Look, it's the Lamb of God. He who takes away the sin of the world. Now this is a very uh, specific thing that John says. Because when we speak about what Jesus has done for us, Jesus died on the cross, He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, He did these things, we say that it's for the forgiveness of sins. When in the Mass, the priest is uh, chanting the institution narrative, the words of institution, which is uh, where Jesus says, this is my body, this is my blood, we say that He's giving this up for the forgiveness of sins. And all that is obviously true. Jesus dies and rises from the dead for the forgiveness of sins. That's in the plural. Here John the Baptist is saying, He who takes away the sin of the world, in the singular. Saying that Jesus took away sins in the world doesn't make any sense. We, we know that sins still abound everywhere. But that Jesus took away the sin of the world, what does that mean? What does the sin in the singular mean? I think if we uh, read St. Paul, this becomes a little bit clearer. St. Paul speaks about sin as this kind of looming power over the world, as this power that exists like a dark cloud over the world, and it just exists everywhere. And it exists in every human heart. It is just this kind of principle that exists in the world that human beings, we cannot run away from. It's not something that we can fix on our own. And we try, and the more we try, the more kind of frustrated we get. And we just feel like we're in this little prison that sin has uh, captured us and has put us into. Sin is like this, these chains that we can't get out of. St. Paul actually expresses this himself when, in the letter to the Romans, he says, the thing which I want to do, I cannot do. And the thing which I hate is the thing that I do. Woe is me, who will save me from this body of sin? And he speaks about sin in this way, like it is this power that no one can escape. That just seeps in through all the seams of the world. Jesus comes. He becomes one of us. He suffers for us, He dies on the cross for us, He rises from the dead. And in doing all this, He defeats this power. 
Jesus is the one that is victorious over sin and death and evil and all this. And those of us that are united to him, those of us that, are, that, that follow him, those of us that have this deep, intimate relationship with him are also victorious with him. Because what is that sin except for selfishness and self-centeredness, anything that would, that, that would separate us from God and separate us from one another, anything that divides us and makes us turn inwards where we're only looking at ourselves now. Our eyes are kind of flipped to the back of our heads and we're only looking at, our, at ourselves. We're only thinking in our own minds about the things that we're going through and we're, in the meantime, ignoring God who's above us and neglecting the human person that's in front of us. We can't even see them. We see them with our eyes, but we don't see them with our hearts. That's the result of sin because it turns us inwards and it makes us self-centered. Jesus defeats that and he's, he conquers it. He's victorious over it because he did exactly the opposite. Instead of simply looking for himself or thinking about his own benefit, which he never did, he goes and he suffers for everybody, even the people that crucify him. He dies for all. So that act, pure act of pure self selflessness is what saves the world. The act that is totally obedient to God for the sake of everybody in the world, that's what saves the world. But now this is the only, only the beginning of the spiritual journey. That this uh, power over the world that looms over the world has been conquered by Christ and therefore we are free from its, free from its uh, snares now that we don't have to be in that prison cell any longer, the prison cell of sin, that we don't have to live there anymore. This is just the beginning of the spiritual life. Spiritual life is not, not sinning. It's far, far greater, far more beautiful than that. That's just the beginning. What happens next? Let's look at the gospel. John the Baptist says, He's speaking about the baptism of Jesus when he says this. I saw the Spirit descend as a dove from heaven and it remained on him. And then he says, and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. He's speaking about the baptism of Jesus where the, 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 the Spirit came down as a dove and it alighted on him. What happens in the spiritual life? Jesus comes and he dies for us. He defeats this power uh, called sin, this principle that exists everywhere. We are now free from it. Well, now we enter into the life of Christ through baptism. We are baptized with him. And like the spirit that descended on Christ and remained on him, so the spirit of God comes down to our own souls and remains in us. And now we share in this life of Christ. Now we can begin this journey where we are working out this victory in union with Jesus' victory. We're still, though, in the beginning stages. What happens next in the Gospel? Now it's the next day, and John sees Jesus walking again, and he says to his disciples again, Behold the Lamb of God. And this time his disciples kind of, you know, they kind of wake up to it, and they think, Okay, fine, we get it. We're going to go follow this guy. So two of John's disciples go and they start following Jesus. And Jesus realizes that they're following him. And he turns to them and he says, what do you seek? 
He's asking them, what do you want? Why are you coming after me? What is it that you're looking for? Now, it's not because Jesus doesn't know. Of course he knows. But he's asking them because he wants them to clarify in their own minds why they're doing what they're doing. Jesus is not going to bombard us. Jesus is not going to talk our heads off. Jesus is not just going to give us all the answers because he wants us to work also. He wants us to think. He wants us to, to meditate, reflect on these things. He wants us to understand. So he's building us up. Now the answer of the disciples could probably be your answer and mine also. Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we go after Jesus? Why do we come to Mass every Sunday? Why do we go to confession? Why do we make the sign of the cross? Why do we pray? Why are we doing these things? Why are we walking after Christ? The disciples answer with another question. They say, Rabbi, where are you staying? So Jesus asks them, what, what do you seek? And they say, where are you staying? Their answer is ambiguous. We don't know what we're looking for. We don't know what we're seeking. But we have an interest in you now. John said that you're the son of God, the lamb of God. Now we're interested and we want to dig a little bit deeper. Jesus accepts that. And maybe you and I are often in the same place. Why are we doing what we, what, what we do? Why do we go after Christ? What is it about Jesus that's intriguing, that keeps us coming? Maybe we don't know. But Jesus, every time, will say, I'll take that. Come and see. The disciples went and they stayed with him that day. And the rest is history. They followed him forever. What is the purpose then of the spiritual life? What is the goal? Where does it end? If we keep reading the gospel, I think we'll figure that out. When Andrew goes and finds his brother Simon, and he brings him to Christ, Christ looks at him and he says, So you are Simon the son of John, you shall be called Kepa, which means Peter. This is the real end of the spiritual life, the real goal, where all of it is going. We are Simon, but Jesus is going to call us Peter. We are one thing and Jesus is going to transform us into something far greater. We are ordinary fishermen and Jesus is going to make us fishers of men. He's going to make something new out of us. This is what the spiritual life is about. That we are being remade day after day as we're walking on this journey with Christ through the intimate friendship with him, we are made something new. Just like Moses in the Old Testament, when Moses goes up Mount Sinai and he spends 40 days and 40 nights with God and he's fasting those at that time and he's praying to God. He comes down from the mountain and his face is transfigured. It's so bright by the glory of God because he was, he was with him. It was so bright that even the Israelites could not see him. He had to put a rag over his face because they couldn't look at him because his face was too bright because he spent so much time with God. So we too, when we spend time with Christ, when we have that intimate relationship with Him, He exalts us to degrees that are unimaginable. He makes us something that is far greater even than we, what we would want for ourselves. Simon Peter 
because of this encounter with Christ, goes from being an ordinary fisherman to the head of the church, the first pope of the Catholic Church, who has been revered for 2,000 years by the entire world. This is what happens when we have a true encounter with Christ. And the spiritual journey might begin with, okay, I'm no longer enslaved to sin, and now I've been given the Spirit of God, and I'm on this journey now day after day, at some point, I have to have this encounter with Jesus where he's going to ask me, what are you, what are you doing all this for? What is it about? What do you want? And then we have to give him an answer. And that answer could be very honest. It should be very honest. And it could very well be, I don't know. I'm just interested and I just keep coming. But at least I'm communicating this to the Lord. And the Lord will say, no problem. Come and see. Day after day, come and see. And day after day, he's going to make something new of us until he's able to look at us and say, oh, you're Simon, you're going, to become, you're going to be Peter. Brothers and sisters, the best thing that we can do to ourselves is what Jesus says. The best thing that we can do for ourselves is to do what Jesus says. He who saves his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. When we lose ourselves by giving ourselves over to Christ, we will find ourselves anew, something much greater. So that that power of sin, which enslaved us because we were selfish and self-centered and because the more we try to fight it, and the more we try to break free of it, the more frustrated we get, is no longer even an issue. But Jesus has tra transformed us into something new. Let us give ourselves daily over to the Lord who loves us infinitely and who wants to make us something far greater than we can imagine but can only be free to do it when we walk after him and come and stay with him. Amen. Amen.